Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith, and my amazing friend who you're going to get to meet, Ruth Batchelor. All these episodes, Colleen and Julie and I, have done all these episodes about dogs and sometimes a little bit about cats and how they integrate with dogs, but we've never done an episode like the one we're going to do today where we're talking to someone who's really not a dog person. So kind of like dogs from the cat person's perspective. We'll, of course, be grilling my friend Ruth about why she doesn't like dogs and making her profoundly uncomfortable (laughs) on that couch. So I want to uh, introduce my friend, Ruth Batchelor, who I adore, and tell you, okay, world, you're about to fall in love with another human. So no pressure, Ruth. Well, hello. Thank you very much. I am so happy to be part of this podcast today. Well, we're very excited to have you on today, Ruth. And of course, the first question on the tip of everyone who's a dog person is, why not dogs? Why cat? Did something happen to you? Did you have a bad dog experience? Um, I had a little tip off. Tina said that you are actually that your mother is a is a dog person. So it's kind of like what happened? What malfunctioned here that uh, you uh, don't care for dogs as much as you do for cats? We had dogs in the house always growing up, and they were just part of the family. And nothing really went wrong. I think what happened was. Uh, as I got older, I didn't care for the way that dogs that were not well behaved would jump um, when people come in. You know, I, I didn't like I didn't like the responses of dogs um, as an adult. And I think when I when I first became a not dog person was when I lived with one as an adult, and that whole sound of of the chewing and the licking and all of the sounds that came out of this dog when there was nothing else in the house to make noise. And here's this dog making all of this ruckus. I think that's what it was for me. So it was one more thing. It was that. So, and to be clear, Ruth, every single dog owner hates that sound. Right? Oh, absolutely. Juju does that at night and I will wake up and say, stop it. Stop making that noise. So, yes, I get that. Nobody likes that noise. What I have to confess here is that my older, my younger daughter still still a dog person, but my older daughter has four cats. And she, her, my grandson, my firstborn grandchild, said to me the other day, you know, Grandma, I think I like cats better than dogs. And he could have put a sword through my heart and it would hurt less. But, yeah, so if something <laughs> happens, you know. He, he also likes like grandpa, grandfather. better. What? He probably likes his grandfather better, too. I don't think so. I or his other so. grandmother. You know, I'm the only <laughs> grandmother he actually see. So, it's like, thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, he, made, he, made, he gave me the great nickname of Spike the Dragon. So, um, it was from, um, what was it? Uh, <laughs> it is a great nickname. It is. It, it's from. Um, I might introduce you as that next time. You know, the little, uh, what is it, the, the, the ponies that like, you know, um, can't remember what they're called, 
But anyway, um, they have all different, like there's Pinkie Pie and there's Rainbow Dash and there's all these ponies, right? And they were really into them for a while. So that everybody in the family got to be named for one of the ponies, right? Well, in these little pony series, there's a little dragon called Spike the Dragon. And I didn't get to be a pony. I got to be Spike the Dragon. Everybody else is like Pinkie Pie and Cutie Butt and, you know, that kind of stuff. So No one listening to this podcast is surprised that you were not a pony, that you were a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. And, and And a magnificent dragon at that. So what I hear you saying, Ruth, is that it was, some of it, it, it sounds like dogs make you uncomfortable when they're not managed or they're not well-trained or they're not under control. And yeah. then and then after that, because there was some sort of like, I don't like this, this isn't comfortable for me, then we did what humans do. We start to build a case for all the reasons why, no. And so then all the little things like, oh, there's hair on my clothes and, oh, that sucking sound and, oh, the scratching at the collar and, uh the collar's jingling and toenails on the carpet and all that stuff, right? All that yeah. stuff, which by the way, all that stuff exists for cats. So I'm a dog person who has a cat. I love a cat. My cat's fine, but he does all sorts of things that annoy the snot out of me. Like he poops napalm, right? Like for goodness sakes, poop outside, please. And he is an indoor cat, so that's not possible. It is as if he spends his entire day trying to figure out how much, how to get as much cat hair as possible in my eyes, right? Like he makes that horrible slurping sound. When you're petting him, he licks me with that rasp-like tongue, right? So if I didn't love him, all of those things would start to become part of my case against cats. Well, I was thinking the process is that we, we make cases for and against everything. Yeah, You know, why I don't like this person. And in the the same reasons why you don't like somebody, maybe the very reasons why you like somebody else. And so, you know, we make all these cases for and against. And and what it is, is is I think sometimes the human experience is such that we don't have a really good reason why we either like or we don't like something. It just is. And It just um, is what it is. I don't like coconut. It tastes like hair. Yeah, I'm not wild about coconut either, but boy, give me a Boston cream donut and I'll probably, you know, take you out for it. Um, so, you know, Tina, well, there's Tina, right. there's the Boston cream donut. Which one do I have to kill? It's going to be Tina, you know, to get the donut. So. <laughs> okay, so, so Ruth, so are there some dogs, by the way, like you don't have to blow smoke, it's fine. When So, y'all, when Ruth comes to visit, I put my dogs away. So that she doesn't have to deal with them because I know they're not really her thing. Now, when she and her amazing love comes to visit, then he's a dog guy, right? So we get out the pug, the pug tackles Keith because that's what Keith wants, not because I'm not managing my dog, right? So, um, so I do try to adjust. Like, I'm aware that not everyone wants to be tackled by four dogs coming into our house. Like, it's uncomfortable for me. I don't like it either. Um, but are there dogs that you you have been more comfortable with? Yes. I mean, there's actually a dog that uh, lives in the apartment complex here. I only get to see him, you know, every once in a while. He, it's a Rottweiler. I love Rottweiler. 
Rottweilers. They are beautiful. And they're just like these big, gentle, I'm not sure I want one to drool on me on a daily basis. Uh, but he's a, he's a good, well-behaved dog. And I just love that he comes over, gets really close to me. I can give him some love. And then he goes back to his owner. Um, I really enjoy the gentle giant. And it has a lot to do with uh, the, their handler, right? Um, how, how well does this dog behave? And I know that those are products, you know, these dogs are products of their, their humans, right? Um, and to a certain extent, although to, to be fair, um, probably, I think the last study I read said something like 85% of behavior is genetic, right? Oh. Yeah, so there are going to be, so interestingly enough, enough, right, the Tupake who are feral, who are um, aloof, meeting new people, you really like because they don't demand your attention a whole bunch. They take a while to warm up. Well, it turns out Roddies, Doberman, Pinschers, a lot of the breeds that you're talking about, these gentle giants, are breeds that as a part of their temperament, appropriate temperament, is that those dogs should be a little standoffish to the person as the person, they become more comfortable with them. So that's actually breed type, right? Um, an, an appropriate temperamented Doberman or Rottweiler should not run up and immediately give you hugs and kisses. That's right. not within, within the frame of what the, um, the breed standard would be. Where like a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel totally should do that. A pug should totally do that. So when Jordan was little, or even as a teenager, and, and going to people's homes, or you guys were going to family functions with people who had dogs, um, what would you want? Well, one, did people assume that everybody likes dogs? Yes, people assume that everybody likes dogs, especially little dogs, um, because a little dog isn't going to hurt anybody. Never mind that they might run your stockings. Thankfully, we don't all wear stockings anymore. Uh, but, but no, yes, people assume that everybody loves dogs, and and it's just not the case. Um, I there are some dogs that Jordan, my daughter, has has enjoyed, but um, those were relationships that were built with dogs. It wasn't an instant thing. It, it it was it. She seemed to have the same discomfort of a dog that came running at her at a door as I did. Um, I'm just getting into somebody's house and that dog is on me. And I really wish, what I really wish was that people um, could keep their dogs set aside for a little bit while the humans get to come in, say their hellos, and then the dogs can be introduced into the environment. And I have some friends that do that really well. And then I've had others over the years that just didn't. You are so unreasonable. You want people to be nice to you when they come to your house? I know. You want them to control their dogs? I mean, what kind of a crazy woman are you? It's just, but you know something? What I would tell you is that I feel the same way. And I am a total dog person. I really don't enjoy it when I walk into somebody's house and I am now just, um, you know, a pile of slobber from top to bottom or I've got something attached to the bottom of my leg. Um, You know, it's, so I think that's a very reasonable request on your part, whether you are a dog person or not. It's very reasonable. It's kind of like, I remember when um, my children were littler, 
And um, I would never show people pictures of my kids on my phone or I wouldn't talk about them unless they asked. Because my own feeling was nobody's going to love my kids or care about my kids the way I do. So I'm going to wait for them to ask for information before I volunteer it. And I think that's kind of the way to, to think about pets of any kind, whether it's a cat, a dog, a frog, a tarantula. For goodness sakes, Tina got introduced to a tarantula. Um, that you should wait until somebody perhaps asks you your dog or your cat or your python or whatever it may be, because that's just courteous. That's just being kind to others and using some manners, which are not very common these days. And I think that it's, it's, um, it's just generally, I think if you just kind of assume that nobody's going to love your menagerie like you do, it helps to give you some perspective. Well, and it keeps there from being accidents, right? Maybe not, I mean, like, I'm not talking about like some dog mauling you at the door, but a dog scooting out the door and getting stepped on or tripping someone or goodness forbid running away or getting hit by a car, right? There's, there's hazards. I frustrate pre-COVID when I still went into people's homes other than electronically. Um, I actually required that they have the dog away from the door and in some sort of management, either on a leash with another human tied away from the door or in a crate, which is my preference, or in another room or whatever, just because the the energy of that greeting is one where it can really be overwhelming and overstimulating for dogs. And and even a really happy, excited dog can accidentally tip over into making the human uncomfortable. And then the human does something that the dog's not anticipating. And it's this big, huge ball of miscommunication. So I actually would tell you, I agree with you. I don't think dogs should be at the door when people are coming in. I don't think I've ever done that to you. I think the dogs have always been managed in some way so that you could come in and I could have my... 38 second hug that I want every single time I see you um, it with peace without, I mean, we make poor Keith wait outside, but then he gets a big hug too when he comes in. We're like, you wait outside. We need a moment. Right. So I, I, I would agree with you. Like I don't, even as a dog person, I don't want dogs rushing me at the door. It's not comfortable. It's not, it doesn't feel safe. And I can't even imagine doing that with little kids. That sounds like a terrible idea, right? Because we're we're like cornering the kid and then expecting behavior to be awesome in every single direction. I think a lot of times I can remember when, you know, I had foster kids that were younger. The The kids were friends, but the adults were not necessarily friends. Like we were kind of acquaintances. And so that would be a strained relationship for me to be feeling like I need to defend my kid at somebody's door over their well-meaning but overly exuberant dog that didn't really need to be at the door when my kiddo's coming in or playing anyway. And it very much feels to me, it's always felt like uh, you don't want to correct somebody else's child for behavior and you don't want to correct the parents for the child behavior either it feels very much like that with an animal as well it's i'm judging i'm judging you on how your dog is behaving towards me right now or how you're um uh it's it's 
it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good for all kinds of reasons, energy wise. It just, it makes me put energy out that doesn't, it's not in my line. Right. Because even though you have a right to say, please, I don't really want to be mauled by your dog or this makes me uncomfortable. The, the fact is, especially if you don't know the person well, it's a very hard thing to say. And, you know, they may or may not take it well. Uh, if you don't know, right. them, you don't know how well they're going to take it and they may take it very personally. I, because I, I know that people whose dogs have been come from, from, uh, rescues. I have one client whose dog was, um, in a hoarding situation and, um, she has provided it with a lovely home with, you know, soft, soft beds and good food and walks in the yard. And the dog doesn't know how to handle a good life. And she takes it very personally. So I think sometimes it's really hard to know what to say or how to say it without trying to convey to the person, look, this is not really you. I'm not, I'm, I'm uncomfortable and you need to help me out here because I'm in your home. But they may not hear it that way. And it's really an awkward situation and it really puts you on edge and, um, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary for, for that to happen. But unfortunately it does happen a lot. And I think, I think a lot of it's unintentional. I think people just don't understand how their dogs act at the door. You would think that they would, but sometimes I think they don't actually see it. And I remember when I really came to understand that was when we had our first Bernie's Mountain Dog Buckley. It was just, just a big, huge, gentle, sweetheart of a dog. And I remember I was coming around the corner <clears throat> and I was, and I was, he was in the driveway down in our carport and I came around the corner and he saw me, and of course you could go one one thousand. I'd say hi, Buckley, and then you could watch the processor. He was he had like a Pentium ninety five processor, and it was like you could see going one one thousand, two one thousand. Oh, mommy! Right, and then he came barreling down the driveway at me, and I went, oh, that's what it looks like because I'm usually on the other side, right? And I went, holy cow. I know this dog and I know that he's not going to jump and I know he's going to stop and I know it can, but it was like, that is a scary thing to have, even though he's happy and he's bounding and he's a sweetheart. I really, it was, I was really glad he did that because I, for the first time truly understood what it looked like to have him running at you because it's always been the other way around. Well, and I don't even, I don't even want a little dog running at me at the door. Like it's just, it's, I don't want to trip. I don't want to have the dog accidentally get out. I don't like, so even my friends who know I'm a dog trainer, but like at the time I was going to visit them and it it wasn't dog training related. They hadn't hired me. Right. Um, It's a really uncomfortable thing. It's a really uncomfortable thing. So I do love that this needs to get added to like my list of things that I discuss with families about, okay, here's the deal. Like, Nobody likes that. We don't like the dog trainers don't like it. People who are cat people, people who don't like pets in general, they're uncomfortable with it. So let's just train in a different option for the dogs. Honestly, I don't think the dog likes it either. I think it becomes quite uncomfortable either. and arousing for the dog. And um, I also too, because apparently I'm an extraordinarily slow learner. Um, so one the way I really learned that was I was having uh, a it was just buy at the home party for clothes, right? And some friends wanted to do 
a party with Caddy. And I said, okay, but they didn't have it. I said, you can use my house. I have class that night and I'll go to class. I'll take the dogs. You can come and set up and then I'll come home. Right. And this is all fine with me. I went in Granville for goodness sakes. We don't, I mean, everybody, anyway, it's very easy to do this kind of thing. So I come home from class and I have my two dogs and we walk in and everybody is in the living room seated. They have their little piece of food and they're talking clothes. And my dogs walk in and go, oh, well, look, people in the living room. Who knew? And they walked around. They said, hi. I took them upstairs. I created them. And it was the most amazing night. What I really learned was they don't need to be at the door. What they need to do if, they, if they're going to meet people is wait till everybody comes in and is settled. Then I introduce them when everything's calm. Because the problem is, the doorbell rings, the humans jump up, we run to the doorbell, the dogs are like, oh, we need to run to the door. Whereas if everybody's come in and they see, and they're seated, and I bring the dogs in, the energy level is already lower. And so they can greet, and it's easier for me to get them out of there. So that was another learning experience for me. But it's not that they didn't get to meet the people, but let's do it when everybody's calm, including the people. I have found that that functions much better for me. Um, I've had friends that have done it that way, and it feels more comfortable. It, and it does feel more comfortable for the dog as well. Completely. The energy level of the animal is much more um, calm. And I, I think there's less worry. There's less worry in the animal space. There's less worry on mine, for sure. So are there are there other situations when you're at someone's house or when, when Jordan, when you're doing playdates or whatever, that also felt uncomfortable to you that, that that pet owners, dog owners should know about? I don't want to throw a ball for somebody else's dog. <laughs> uh, because even though the dog... I don't want here. some strange dog to bring me a slavery ball and expect me to work on it with them. That, that is another thing. If your dog is dropping the ball for me, uh, could you handle that? Uh, I don't know that we ever really had any bad situations when it came to taking Jordan uh, to play dates. I, I don't know if I, I just don't remember any traumatic events that happened um, or anything that I was really uncomfortable with. I think we, we only had a couple of friends that had animals and I think I knew the, I knew the animal before Jordan was ever introduced to the situation so I already knew what to expect. Right. So would that, so, so pivoting off of that, so you knew the animals first. You were comfortable with those animals. You were comfortable with how well-trained they are, with what their temperament was, how their owners managed them, all that kind of stuff. I assume those owners knew that you were not a huge fan of dogdom, right? I'm sure, like, your body yes, language is... is stable around dogs, but it's really clear, subtle signaling of no thank you, which mm -hmm. I actually love. We try to teach dogs that. Um, it's why I don't allow, allow stupidly over-enthusiastic greetings, um, because I do think that's important dog, like body language that dogs need to recognize from humans. It's not the person doesn't like you. It's they, they just are like, no, thank you. I'll say hello to you from here. So, Pivoting off of the, you knew the dogs and the families that, that Jordan was going to visit that, that had pets. Um, do you think 
where you allowed Jordan to go or, or what to do. Do you think whether or not they had pets and you were familiar with those pets mattered to you? Or do you think that just never was an issue? I don't think it was ever an issue. And I don't think it was ever an issue because Jordan handled herself really well. Uh, and I'm not sure... If I was concerned about an animal, it would have affected something. But uh, but whether whether or not somebody had animals was not something that crossed my mind before I said yes, you can go stay at Susie's house. Okay. It just wasn't it wasn't a question. It wasn't something that was being discussed. Much like you aren't asking people that are coming over to your house whether or not they have allergies to cats or like dogs. It's just not something that crosses your mind. It wasn't something that crossed my mind uh, to ask about the pets or to want to meet the pets before she had sleepovers. So did Jordan ever complain about something somebody's dog did? I think that she stopped seeing somebody once or stopped wanting to spend the night because of an animal. And it's really hard for me to pull that memory. I don't remember who it was. But just like if she was having trouble with somebody's sibling, per se, and she didn't want to go back because it was like a situation she didn't care for, she would just tell us, like, I'm not into it. And I think there was a dog that was bothersome that she just didn't want to go stay there anymore. I think it's really important for both kids and dogs, and well, I don't know about much about cats, but cats are cats an agency, to say, this is an uncomfortable situation for me, and I don't want to repeat it. So uh, bravo for you listening to Jordan and not just saying, oh, it's fine. The dog will be fine because it wasn't fine. And I, you know, I think it's important. I think it's great that you gave her that level of agency to be able to say, this is not a situation that I care to repeat. I was, I had an, an odd question for you. Have you ever had people who want to come over for a visit and they want to bring a dog to your house? No. No, I've never had somebody want to bring their dog. No, I, no, no, no. So that's actually a really good question. I I have people, families constantly who are like, oh, yeah, we go over to my sister's house and we take the dogs. And we, I've never done that stuff. Like, if if I go and visit somebody who has dogs I don't I don't take my dog like no I'm going to see the people I'm I'm not I'm not going to have a doggy play date and to have to navigate that particular brand of nut jobness it's that's that's actually a really good question Julie because there are people who go everywhere toting a dog along with them and I'm like no no like that's so invasive. Right. And they think, well, I love my dog and he's fine with me. So he should be fine wherever I go. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think it's fair to him. I don't think it's fair to you, actually. And I don't think it's fair to whomever it is that you are bringing the dog into their space. Well, and in this case, Ruthie's not afraid of dogs. Right. She doesn't like they're just not her thing. You want to talk about making people mad is have someone who's genuinely afraid of dogs being forced into a situation. So I think I've told this story before. I I have clients here who the, 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 the dad, the husband's mom is terrified of dogs. 
And when they were going to visit her, they were taking their dog with them. And I was like, that's not okay. Likewise, when mom comes to let's board the dog. Like you, you want to visit, like, it's not your mom's job who is genuinely afraid, right? Genuinely afraid of the dog. She's fine with being genuinely afraid of dogs. She doesn't want to like dogs. Like she's not going, you know what, this is a point where we can get some personal growth. She doesn't want that. She's like, no, I don't. She doesn't like when a dog looks at her. I was like, then have her stay in a hotel or put your dog in boarding. Like, do not put that poor sweet woman in that situation. The same way that if I don't like tarantulas, no, I do not want to hold your pet tarantula. Like, but I will say, like, we dog people sometimes are a little invasive. I'm just saying, I'll I'll put it out there. We assume everybody should love dogs as much as we do. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I got to tell you, um, it, it does take a lot of energy sometimes to manage dogs. Clementine is she's 17 months old, like a couple days ago. And she's really, she's beginning to settle just an iota, just a little bit, a tiny, it'll, it'll, anyway, every once in a while we call her a good dog. That's an improvement, right? But when my grandson comes over, one of my grandsons, he does, um, Clemmy will run, Zuzu and Clemmy will run up to him. Now they don't jump on him, but he doesn't want them that close. And so it's always a lot of management on my part especially if they get here sooner than I think they're going to get here. So I haven't had a chance to get the dogs outside or, you know, whatever. It's always some management level to, okay, this is where Peter is. So Clemmy, you're on the side of the gate. Peter wants to come into the kitchen. Clemmy, you're going to go outside. Peter wants to have a snack. Clemmy, you go in your crate. There's a lot of management so that everybody can remain comfortable because I also kind of want, I also want Clemmy to learn to be respectful of Peter. But but the fact is, is that Peter needs to have a relationship with Clemmy because Clemmy's going to be around for 10 years and Peter's going to be around for 10 years. So it's worth it to me to try and find a way for them to interact successfully together. Um, but somebody who's just coming to my house for a visit they don't necessarily have to learn to love Clementine. It just doesn't have to happen. It's kind of like when, when contractors come. My dogs don't have to meet every person that comes to my house. On the other hand, they do have to figure out how to have a peaceful relationship with my grandchildren because I'm not giving up my dogs and I'm not giving up my grandchildren. So we have to find some way for this bridge to be, or this gap to be spanned. So I think this speaks for me anyway, to dog trainers having a number of different arrows on their flowchart of how to manage their dog when people are coming over, right? And I would actually argue that having a way, so so to use the example of um, people coming to the door or mealtime, um, whether the person visiting and coming to visit is comfortable with dogs or not, my dogs are going to be managed during those situations so that we're not making anyone uncomfortable. The dogs aren't learning any nasty habits. They're not, you know, drooling on Ruth's, Ruth's leg while we're eating our pizza. Like, because like she doesn't like the slobbery ball, I'm pretty sure she doesn't want a slobber spot on her jeans either. 
right? Or their nose shoved in your purse or anything else. So the for me, I think the message to dog owners, the big takeaway is ha- make sure you, you have some strategy of how to keep your dog out of the situation at home, even though they're home, you know, have a crate, have a playpen, have gates, use leashes, whatever you need to do to make sure that that person coming in or visiting is comfortable and that your dog's learning appropriate social etiquette. It's, in my experience, it's a lot easier to loosen the rules after everything's settled down and everyone's familiar than it is to have something go kaflooey and to have to like put the milk back in the jar. Like, I think that's a lot more difficult. I think you're right. Yes. Okay, so Ruth, yeah. if you had to sum up three things that you wish dog owners knew, what would those three things be? That's not an easy question. Summing up three things I wish dog owners knew. I can love you without loving your dog. Beautiful. I love that. By the way, I can love you without loving your kid, right? Not you, but you know what I mean? Like, like I can remember yes. as a young person... I I did not, I wasn't actually all that comfortable with kids. I am now, but I wasn't. I didn't enjoy them. They kind of freak me out a little bit. They make me nervous. So yeah, like sometimes I was like, uh, can we just like go get coffee maybe? Or like, can we do something else? <laughs> because I, I don't actually want your toddler climbing all over me and giving me sticky kisses and having, and putting and spitting things in my hand. I think that they're very similar. I think that people that say that they are not, they don't care for kids, you know, people think that's a really awful thing to say. But I think it's for the same reason that I don't particularly care for dogs. It's not, and and why some people are like, I don't really like kids, but I love your kid. It's like, my kid's well managed. Um, It's the same kind of thing. It's it's that I don't really care for dogs, but I like your dog. It's your dog is well managed. Okay, Um, so... One is, I can love you without loving your pet. Number two might be? I'll, I'm more likely to like your kid or your pet if they're well-managed. That's a good number two. And well-behaved. That's a good number two. I really do think number two is that I'm very much okay with a well-managed dog. Okay. I can have a relationship. I can have a relationship with a well-managed dog. That really is the second thing for me. All right. I love I, that. I, I like the dog relationships that I have that have come out of well-managed situations. Well, I, mean, I can't like, even tell you how delighted I was, how warming it was that first time that Marco, like, loved me a little. And and uh, I thought, all right, all right, this this works. We, we got, we have it. Okay. We have this thing. Wait. Yeah. What about number three? What would be the third thing you would want a dog owner to know? I think the two. I think those two things really okay. sum it up. Right. I, because most of, most of the anything that I would throw out as a three is covered by All two. All right. So, so, so I would I would add a third. And actually, you accidentally did it talking about Marco. That great relationships are built over a whole bunch of short, small, calm relaxed experiences. It's they're built in moments. They're not built in like big huge swaths of time. It's 
itty like itty bitty little bites of the apple until everybody's comfortable. Okay. I think that's yes, I agree. I think that's great. But I'm I'm gonna follow my guest lead. All right. So I think then if we were to summarize it, what we want to say to dog owners that it applies not just if a cat person's coming over, but pretty much if anybody's coming over. If you want somebody to love you and your dog, then you have to accept the fact that they might not love your dogs, and that's okay. And then if you want them to like your dog, then you have to make your dog manageable and presentable and kind to the person who's coming through your door and allow the person who's coming through the door and the dog to make a decision of exactly how much time they'd like to spend with one another. And if it's just a moment here and there, that's probably going to build into a relationship. So everybody should have some agency here. Right. But also remember your guest isn't going to tell you. They're not going to come out and say like, I don't want all that slobber on me or I don't want all that hair on me or whatever. It's what I don't want to throw the ball. Right. Like, so some of it I would almost say is ask more questions. Well, in our house, especially when we had Bingley, who was sort of, um, let's put it this way. We used to say that Hudson, the golden retriever was a pleasure, was a pleasure fetcher. He would play fetch for pleasure. Whereas Bingley was a competition fetcher. Okay. He would play until like the world would come to an end. And so what I would always tell people is don't throw the ball. What did he do? Don't throw the ball for my dog because if you do, you are going to be stuck throwing it for the rest of your life. So I think it's okay to be proactive and to say to people, you don't need to do that. You don't need to throw the ball. In fact, I would recommend that you don't throw the ball because if you do, then I'm not going to have a chance to visit with you because that's all you're going to be doing is throwing the ball for the dog. So I think that it's okay for owners to take that step forward and say, hey, I've got some parameters here. I'm not going to force you to throw my dog's ball. I'm not going to force you to play with them. Um, I know you're here to visit me. And maybe if owners, dog owners take that attitude of what is the purpose of this visit? The purpose of this visit is for me to visit with the person, not for the person to come in and pet sit my dog. And I think if you take that as your, your underlying guideline, then you're more likely to have a successful interaction because you're going to be much paying much more attention to how do I make this successful for the person and not necessarily successful for the dog. So by now you've all completely fallen in love with my friend Ruth. Um, and I am eternally grateful. I think it's important for not, for, for dog people to have non-dog friends and to, you know, to ask questions, um, it is very important to me that Ruth is comfortable visiting my home and having time together. And if that means that my dogs have, you know, a stuffed frozen Kong in their crate for the for a good portion of the visit, I'm okay with that, and I'm down with with preparing them for that. So I just want to. Um, Thank Julie for indulging me having um, having my friend come on and talk about this. Um, and I want to um, express my deep gratitude to Ruth for being willing to come and be grilled by these crazy dog trainer people um, on the Your Family Dog yes, Podcast. Thank you, Ruth. And we'll see you all. And be sure if you have a chance to uh, like us and share us with others on your social media or wherever it is that you get your podcast. 
and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting idea? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.